Do you remember the first day you went to school, the very first time you went to school? Do you remember that? Maybe for you it was kindergarten like it was for me, or maybe it was first grade. Uh, for some of you, maybe a little older. But it, probably your mom walked you in, right? And then she got you settled, and, and then she left. And there you were with this big bunch of people who you didn't know. I mean, you'd met the teacher, but you didn't know anybody. You really didn't know her. And all of a sudden, you start feeling this little, it's like a concern in your soul, your little tiny kindergarten soul. There's concern, and it just starts to grow, and then all of a sudden, it feels like fear because you're all alone. But all of that changed. You remember when it changed? The minute you made a friend. Do you remember that? I mean, it's so awesome to have a friend, somebody to play with at recess or somebody to, to hang out with in class or to talk to in class, and you realize, even though you were only a little kid, five or six years old, you realize that life is better together. And then the next year, school started, and, and you kind of went through that all again. You're looking around, seeing, is there anybody here that I recognized from last year that was, you know, part of my friend group last year, and you're hoping if they're in your class, you just pick up where you left off last year and just keep going. But if they're not, you decide you're going to look and see if you can find another friend. Life has always been better when you had a friend. And life's transitions are like that. All of the transitions, almost every single one of them are like that whether it's going to middle school, which was a tough one, you remember that? Or going to high school or going off to college or joining the military or starting a new job or moving to a new city. A new transition can start with you being alone. And that presents a whole lot of challenges until you connect with another person or with a group of people. There are definitely times when you want your space and we need to be alone. We recognize that. But we all need community. We can never be alone all the time. We all need community. We're better together. And hopefully we'll make the case for that in this talk today. Dr. Dean Ornish is a physician and researcher, and he's also the president and founder of a nonprofit called Preventive Medicine Research Institute in Sausalito, California. On top of all of that, he is also a clinical professor of medicine at the University of California in San Francisco. Dr. Ornish is kind of an expert in all things of the human physique and, and human uh, connection. And this is what he says. The need for connection and community is primal. As fundamental as the need for air, water, and food. Now, if he's an expert... And if he's right, then we need to be connected with other people. We can't do this by ourselves. We need community. And part of the reason why I think Dr. Ornish is onto something is because there is a lot of information that we have access to that shows that when we're alone for extended periods of time, there are problems that come out as a result of that. On May the 8th of 2020, just last year, Time Magazine published an article titled, COVID-19 is making America's loneliness epidemic even worse. What? 
loneliness epidemic and COVID was making it worse? Well, that was the premise of the article. Let me share just a a short excerpt from it. It says, even before the COVID-19 pandemic, public health experts were concerned about an epidemic of loneliness in the U.S., the coronavirus has exasperated, ex, forget it, it's made it a bigger problem. I butchered that word like 15 times. You can read it in my notes later if you want to know what I'm supposed to have said. But I'm quoting the article, right? The coronavirus has made it worse, the problem. With most face-to-face socializing for people still under lockdowns, indefinitely limited to members of their own households. For the 35.7 million Americans who live alone, that means no meaningful social contact at all, potentially for months on end. And I think if we haven't personally felt this disconnection from others at this point, Over the last year and a half, most of us probably have, but if you haven't, you should recognize how blessed you really are, because most people have. So many people have existed only through Zoom calls and FaceTimes and DMs and scrolling through their social media looking for just a little community. And as great as technology is, it can't replace human connection The thought was that as social media grew, we would be able to connect with friends we had lost touch with in the past and kind of reconnect there, but also also make new friends over the course of life. But it didn't happen that way. Many people find social media makes them feel less connected, and they've been leaning into that to find connection. They actually feel worse rather than better. Albert Schweitzer said this. He said, We are all so much together, but we are all dying of loneliness. You can be in a group, but not be connected. You could be here today, but have no meaningful connection to any person in this room. In 2018, Cigna, which is a global health services company, released the results from a nationwide survey of more than 20,000 participants. And here's what they found. Nearly half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone. Half. No meaningful relationships to speak of. Only half of Americans have meaningful in-person social interactions on a daily basis. Now remember, the survey came out in 2018, pre-pandemic. Over 40% of Americans sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful and that they are isolated from others. And last but not least, Gen Z, those 18 to 24, Gen Z is the loneliest generation and claims to be the, in worse health than any of the older generations. Directly related to Loneliness. Time Magazine reported that studies show chronic illness has clear links to an array of health problems, including dementia, depression, anxiety, self-harm, heart conditions, and substance abuse. And if if all of that isn't bad enough, Psychology Today wrote, loneliness increases the risk of death by 26%. You should be in a group just so 
you got a better chance of surviving. That's what the stats say. We need community. And even with all the negative consequences of loneliness, our culture often glamorizes the tough, self-sufficient person. Growing up, I remember seeing cigarette ads that featured the Marlboro Man. Some of you remember that guy. Here's a picture of Daryl Winfield. He is the longest-serving Marlboro Man, over 20 years. He personified the masculine spirit of the American cowboy. He was the picture of the rugged individualist. No family tied the Marlboro Man down. He's, this guy epitomized resilience, self-sufficiency, and independence. It sounds great, as long as everything goes well. But who does this guy turn to when something in life takes a turn for the worse? I think that a lot of us believe that we're weak or somehow insufficient if we need other people in our lives. But is that actually true? Are we weak? There are a lot of lonely people whose lives are nothing like the Marlboro Man's image. People who live by themselves, maybe even by their choice. But they're nothing like the image that Daryl Winfield portrayed. I wonder if we even see how many lonely people there are in the normal flow of our week. Or maybe you know how prevalent loneliness is because this is the life that you're living right now. Maybe by choice or maybe not by choice. Connecting with other people is crucial for us to experience the fullness of life to experience the life that God designed and intended for us to experience. Connecting with others is significant because at some point, no matter how self-sufficient you are, no matter what happens, you're gonna need a community of people. That's what happened to a friend of mine named Rick. It's not his real name, but that's what I'll, I'll call him Rick for the purpose of this story. He's a middle-aged guy who a number of years ago showed up at a Bible study for singles that I was leading. And after attending the Bible study for a few weeks, he and I got lunch together and he started to tell me a story. His story would deepen in details over the coming months, but initially he told me that he was Went to Bible college, graduated, became a youth minister at a church out west. And it was there he got married, and he and his wife had their first child. And everything was great for a period of time. And then it seemed to just fall apart. His wife finally took the baby and moved back to her hometown. And she divorced him. All alone, without a job now, because the church let him go. He moved to Nicholasville, Kentucky, and took a job working in a fast food restaurant. He didn't know anyone in Nicholasville. He didn't know anyone really in Kentucky. And he was an introvert, which made meeting people kind of hard for him. So on top of all of that personal stuff, he was struggling financially. Ended up in deep debt. 
It was a few months later. I asked him about how he got into so much debt, and he explained that, you know, in addition to his bills, his job, he wasn't making enough money. He had also spent a lot of money on online porn. After being alone for so long, in deep debt, ashamed of his addiction, he eventually became depressed. So he went to the one place that he thought he could meet people and make a few friends, the church. And he did connect with a community of believers who welcomed him in. Rick was tired of being alone. There was a lot of people at that time like Rick, and I think there's probably even more people today, a lot of lonely people George Gallup Jr. said this about the American culture. He said, Americans are the loneliest people in the world. He wrote that in 1990. How much more relevant is that today than it was 30 years ago? Loneliness is a crisis that at the root is fueled by despair, the loss of hope. Loneliness and isolation are the norm. They existed before coronavirus, but they've seemed to be intensified during the pandemic. I think that a lot of us believe that we're weak or somehow insufficient if we need other people to prop us up or to help us forward. But God has a different perspective on that. If we look at how God created us, we realize that we were made to connect to other people. In fact, in Genesis, the first two chapters, chapters one and two, we read how God created everything and how he, how he set things up for us. And in the midst of all that creation, there's the same statement that gets repeated several different times. In fact, he repeats it six different times. This is the statement. God saw that it was good. Everything that he created, light, land, fish, birds, cattle, all of it, he looked at it. And he said, it's good. And then on the sixth day, he created man, the first man, and he named him Adam. And then we read this in Genesis 1.31. It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Very good. And then an interesting series of things happens. God creates Adam, and then he puts him in this utopia we know as the Garden of Eden, and he says, your job, your work is to care for this garden, and you have one rule. Don't eat from this one tree over here. It's known as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And now everything seems to be in place, but after six days of creation, everything being good, something isn't right. Not everything is good. We read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good to be alone. Over the course of my ministry, I have referenced that passage with regard to marriage. If you continue forward, you'll see the connection there. But this is appropriate, as appropriate as it is for marriage, this message has a much broader application than just marriage. God's making a statement here about how vital it is to connect with one another. John Orberg in his book, Everyone is Normal Till You Get to Know Them, has a great quote. 
He said this, I have never known anyone who was isolated, lonely, unconnected, had no deep friendships, yet had a meaningful and joy-filled life. That was never the plan, to live isolated or live alone from the very beginning. But that's how so many people live, maybe by choice, maybe not by choice. God saw that man was alone and that that was not good. So what he said next was this, I will make a helper who is just right for him. I will make someone who will run run alongside of him in life and will be a blessing to him. In their book, Andy Stanley and Bill Willett's book, Creating Community, they write this, God made people for himself. He also made us with a unique and real need for one another. Adam was depending on God to provide everything that he needed, and God was doing a perfect job. And yet, still, it wasn't good for him to be by himself. I think if we dig down a bit into this topic of community, we'll find there are a lot of reasons why being connected to other people is such an essential part of this life. We'll see the deep value of being part of a community. Now this list I'm gonna give you is not exhaustive by any stretch, but these are three of what I call the most valuable benefits that come from being part of a community, a biblical community. And the first one is this. We have help when we fall. We have help when we fall. A number of years ago, I had left my house and went out for a run. I love to run. Uh, I'm a little slower these days, but I still love doing it. And at that time, I was really, I was, felt really good. And I was uh, about two miles from my house. I was making really good time. I pulled off of the Reynolds Road into Shillitoe Park and the sun was beginning to set and I stepped in a pothole and rolled my right ankle and went flying off into the grassy ditch area there. And uh, once I realized that I didn't break anything, the pain was so bad I couldn't put any weight on it. And I happened to notice that about 30 cars drove by and no one stopped. I was kind of getting offended, but I understand You know, who stops to help the sweaty guy sitting alongside the road in the dark, right? Nobody. I can tell you that. It's not scientific, but nobody. I didn't know any of those people. They didn't know me, so nobody stopped. And eventually, I got up, and I was able to put enough weight on it that I could limp home over the course of the two miles that I still had to go. Contrast that with something that happened a few years earlier. It was January, and I went for a run with a friend of mine. His name is Craig Yates. He preaches over at Broadway Christian. Great guy. And uh, we were running. It had snowed a few days earlier, big snow. And one of the roads that didn't get plowed had all these ruts in it, and they kind of hardened. And I stepped on one of those ruts, and I rolled my right ankle. Notice the theme. My right ankle is really my nemesis. But I rolled it, and I went sprawling into the snow, and... Craig came over and helped me to get to the side of the road, and then he ran a mile or so back to where the car was and came back, picked me up, and drove me home. And the difference of those two stories is kind of a a metaphor for the difference in our lives. Think about it. 
It is so much better to have a friend with you when you're running, especially when you stumble and fall. It's even more important to have a friend who you can count on when you stumble and fall in this life. And you will. Someone who knows you, who's not, who knows that you're not perfect and they're not going to judge you, they're gonna love you. So many people live with shame or fear for the mistakes that they've made. And it makes a tremendous difference when we're connected with another person or a group of people who love us because they help us up when we stumble. And I hope you'll always remember what Paul said in Romans, the third chapter, verse 23, said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us stumble. Every single one of us, yours truly included, are gonna make mistakes. So when that happens, who are the people that you're gonna count on to help you up? Who are your go-to people? Will there be anyone there to help you get back up and start running again in the race of life. King Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, verses nine and 10. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. But check out verse 10. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. It's a sweaty guy sitting alongside the road in the dark. Nobody there. Nobody there. Being connected means we have help when we stumble and fall. The second benefit to being part of community is we have comfort in difficult times. I love this verse in Romans 12, verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, and then lean into this, and weep with those who weep. That's actually easier, I think, than rejoicing with those who rejoice. Weeping with those who weep. In 2016, my dad passed away, and there was a group from Northeast who made the 11-hour trip to Iowa for my dad's funeral. At the visitation, I was meeting all these people, most of whom I didn't know. They were friends of my parents or my family. I'd been away from Iowa for a long, long time. And then at this moment, this group from Lexington walked in. They'd come a long way, a long way to support me and my family, and they will never know how much that meant to us, to me personally. I love what Paul said in Galatians 6, 2. He said, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is simply loving others as Jesus loved us. That's the gold standard of how we should live. And when we're part of a biblical community, that's what happens. When we're connected with other believers, we're gonna be comforted in those difficult times. Well, the third and last benefit that I'll share this morning about being in community is this one. Those in community, they challenge us to develop spiritually. They want us to be all that we can be, to be the very best example of Jesus that we can be. Now, every one of us, we need to recognize as a work in progress. None of us have grown spiritually so deep that we've graduated. In fact, graduation is the day that you go to heaven. 
In the meantime, it's important to recognize that we're all unfinished projects that are still being developed. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, shaping us. Here's a key point. The people we surround ourselves with will either, they'll do two things, either pull us down or build us up. Now, the people that you're connected with, what are they doing? Do they, on, on average, do they pull you down or do they build you up? Paul put it this way, same concept. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 1 Corinthians 15, Bad company corrupts good character. This was a warning to the people in Corinth who were under the influence of those who were teaching false doctrines about the resurrection. But this phrase, bad company corrupts good character, was probably a a common proverb in the Greco-Roman society the first century. And it focused on the same concerns that you and I have today regarding peer pressure. This is when an otherwise good person can be influenced by the crowd into doing ungodly behavior. God, Paul was sounding this alarm to choose your community well. And then King Solomon opined in Proverbs 27, 17, common verse around here, our men's ministry kind of built their whole, their whole ministry on this. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. King Solomon uses this metaphor that when two iron sword blades are rubbed against one another, they sharpen each other, and thus they're more effective. Iron sharpens iron, which illustrates how coaching and constructive criticism in the context of a safe biblical community can actually help us improve and grow. People see blind spots that we don't see. And they help us because they love us. Now, where does a person receive that kind of information, that kind of instruction, if he or she is alone? YouTube? TikTok? I'm not knocking those things. I'm just saying you might get some information, but you'll never have that brother or sister who runs alongside of you in the race of life, who coaches you along the way to run your very best race. You just have the information. I meet with a group of Northeast guys weekly at a coffee shop here in Hamburg, and these guys have full lives. In fact, we almost never have every guy in attendance at that gathering because work, kids, service, a lot of things they're doing. But one of the things that is important is that we do gather. In fact, when we, when we gather and everybody's there, we call it Yahtzee. And it almost never happens, right? Almost never happens. These guys, their time is so precious that when we spend our time together, we talk about two things, the Bible and life, how it applies to our lives. And I prepare a discussion normally about a passage of Scripture or a topic, and then when we get together, we discuss it, and then we pray. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, one of the things that happens regularly with these guys and my, if, with regard to my life is that even though I've studied 
and prepared for the discussion. They may walk in not even knowing what the discussion's gonna be about that day. I'm often surprised by something that one of the guys says. It's a nugget of wisdom or it's an application of the text that I'd never thought about before. And even though I'm the one leading the discussion, I came prepared to be the iron that sharpens iron, right? These guys continue to help me grow. And they truly are part of iron sharpening iron. As I sharpen them, they're sharpening me. The sharpening of your biblical community will open up opportunities for you and I to grow spiritually, but also to help others to grow spiritually. So here's the question. Are you connected? Are you in a biblical community? Are you in a life group or a class? Are you connected in some way in a ministry group or a Bible study? If you disappeared, would anybody know? I hope so. And if not, I want to encourage you to get connected. Listen, the church is not the only place on the planet where you can find meaningful relationships. But one thing I can guarantee is that this is a place where you can connect in a biblical community. The easiest way to do that is use the Church Center app or our website. Church Center app or the website, either way. Go and on the Church Center app, click on the Connect Card button, fill it out, and check the box getting more involved in community. Or you can go to the website and the toolbar, click on the Church Center tab, and on the toolbar you'll see the same Connect card will drop down and check that same box. I hope that you'll sign up. I hope you get connected to a community of believers who will care about you, love you, support you. There's no need to do this life alone. I want to finish by telling you kind of the rest of the story about my friend Rick. Rick was accepted by the church where he was right at the time, warts, scars, and all, and they helped him break free of his addiction to pornography. They worked on a plan to help him eradicate his debt, and within a couple of years, eating lots of rice and beans, he was debt-free. Dave Ramsey would have been so proud. Also, Rick got involved in serving in the singles ministry, and he made friends along the way. And after changing jobs, I moved to Northeast. I kind of lost touch with Rick for a few years. And then one Sunday morning, Rick shows up here. He showed up here for worship and to introduce me to his new wife. And a chance to tell me a little bit more about his story, what God was doing. Rick's story is like a lot of other people's stories. It just shows how the difference that a biblical community can have in a person's life. We truly, we truly are better together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for building us and designing us to be better together. You created us, you said, in your image, and as the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, you live in community, and so we recognize that we were built the same way. I think, God, during the lockdowns, a lot of us found ourselves disconnected. Groups that maybe we were a part of at one time, they, they kind of, for lack of 
you know, reason and ability and availability, we, they, a lot of those communities just dissolved. And we found ourselves just staring at a screen. Some groups kept going and they hung in there, but a lot of groups didn't make it. And yet we recognize, God, that the way you designed us, we are better together. So I pray as we take steps to move forward post-pandemic world that we're in. I pray, God, you will give us the group, the community that you have designed for us, you've prepared for us to connect with, and then give us the courage to step out, sign up, make a phone call, call in, and get connected. I pray, God, no one, no one goes through this life alone. They'll do it together. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.